Hey, all you fish heads out there. My name is Smokin' Joe, and I have some questions. Do you have fish? Yeah. Do you love your fish? Yeah. Do you love your fish enough to buy them their own song? Oh, yeah. Who needs another castle for the tank when you can have a custom tune made for your favorite finned friend? It's easy. You tell me about your fish. I have the best fish. You pick a genre of music. Any genre. I make you a song. From metal to Irish folk. From EDM to funk to punk. I'd love to make a song for you. Visit www.smokinjoeonline.com to fill out your inquiry today. That's www.smokinjoeonline.com today. Hey, shrimp fanatics. I'm going to talk about the shrimp of the week from joeshrimpshack.com. So this week, if you go to their website, right now they have orange eye royal blue tiger shrimp. Certainly check these out. From the picture, they are very deep, dark blue with uh, bright, I don't know, alien eyes. You need to check these shrimp out. They uh, start at $16 a piece, and trust me, uh, not large quantities are left. Go check them out, and check out all the other great shrimp at joeshrimpshack.com, and don't forget to use our promo code AquariumGuys at checkout for 15% off everything in the store. It's the best discount you're going to get joeshrimpshack.com check out the sweet shrimp also guys don't forget about our story time special that we're going to be doing we need your submitted stories we're going to review them certainly submit them to aquariumguyspodcast.com at the bottom of the website you'll find our contact information email telephone number however you want to contact us send a youtube video of you talking about it anything we'll review them and we're going to display your stories in the next story time let's kick that podcast Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Jimmy, did you fart? I'm just, just wondering because when you sat down, there was all kinds of angelic whistles coming from your side of the, the, the podcast studio. I have a cold that's coming out of my nose. You have a cold that's coming out of your nose? Yeah. And a case full of COVID tests? Yes, yes. All right, so what you're saying is drink up some tequila. Oh, absolutely. Tequila will kill the COVID. It will. Tequila kills anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Actually, um, my company that I work for, we sell Taki chips, and somebody started a rumor that it cured COVID, and we cannot keep them in stock. They actually had to quit. They had to quit making several <laughs> of the varieties of the flavors because they cannot keep up. They're only making like three of the regular flavors right now. I feel like you're trolling me. No, I'm not. I'm saying saying that. Who the hell came up with that idea? I don't know. It's Jim. something something got started online, and and the Taki chips. Now we can't keep them in stock. I'm selling 400, 500 little bags at the checkout lanes at Walmart. Well, it's it's the same people that did these Wall Street bets for the GameStop stocks. Oh, absolutely, dude! <laughs> I've made so much money. I, uh, I I'm in AMC, and I'm I'm up today, so it's a good day. Well, I'm up on physical silver. Regardless, I'm up on cold medicine. I'm Rob Zolson. Hey, I'm Jim Colby. <laughs> and I'm Adam on the Shark. So today we have special guest Nick Neo here in the studio with us. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's our pleasure. Nick is the owner of shrimpybusiness.com. 
uh, certainly uh, check that out, bookmark it. But uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. And we're going to pick your brain today on, uh, you know, your experience of how you started a business online, got deep into this market and are, you know, funding success in COVID. I think that's a, a crazy story. And we need to yeah. know your, your secret sauce. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'd love to share it. Wonderful. Well, what we're going to do first yeah. is, like we do on every podcast, we're going to go through uh, a couple questions that we get uh, th- yeah. throughout the week. If you guys got a, a question, submit it at AquariumGuysPodcast.com. By the website, you'll find our email address, telephone number to leave us a voicemail or send a text message, or even message us on Facebook. Uh, Jimmy still has lost the Twitter account. I know where the Twitter account is. It's right there in my smartphone. It's in your, your fart phone? My fart phone. Your fart phone. <laughs> All right. So some of the uh, first questions we got... Um, one of them says, was wondering if I could get your opinion on something. I'd love to s- construct a 3d background. was wondering if you could skim the article and tell me if it'd be safe for aquarium fish and plants from what I read. It sounds okay, but I'd love to get an expert's opinion. Thank you guys. You rock. Uh, and it gives me an article for how to make an aquarium background before I get into this article that he sent me. Do you know an expert? Uh, no, you don't. I don't. I feel like you do. No, I don't. You don't know an expert either. No. Not not on 3D backgrounds. Well, I, it's not necessarily an expert, but I've I've made an attempt, and my attempts have not been great. Uh, even when I purchase pre-made aquarium backgrounds, I am not a personal fan of them, uh, just because it's another place for algae and shit to collect. So if I'm going to have something in there, it's going to be a natural decoration, or if I'm going to make a natural background, it's going to be something that I'm going to be able to scrub easily. Maybe I'll use river rock. Mm-hmm. I'll do other elements. Aquarium backgrounds, especially DIY ones, are a pain in the ass. Have you had any experience with that, Nick? Any backgrounds? No, not not really. I think my experience is mostly just mostly planet tanks. Like now, I'm playing around with a lot of the nano tanks because you know, shrimp. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but my experience mostly, I mean, I play around with angelfish, discus, goldfish, but you know, did nothing with nothing with a Greek background, unfortunately. Adam, you might remember this. Yeah. About 15, 15 years ago or so, 20 years ago, people there. some company came out with some, it was kind of a foam-like material that you adhered to the back of your tank inside. Do you remember those? Is they, it the ones for reptile or um, they made them for the both. fish ones? They made them for both. It was reptiles and fish. And I, I know uh, our, our friend uh, uh, Ty Talford had, had a few of those. And uh, not much great success because things, like Rob said, got behind the darn thing. And uh, fish got trapped back there, algae, air pockets, all kinds of crazy stuff. So I've never really had any good, you know, what little bit of experience I've had has not been good. Well, the problem is, is what they make it out of. Generally, these DIY ones are done with, like, styrofoam sheets that they go buy. Number one, some of the old green sheets that they buy are kind of shitty and will uh, decay crap in the water. So make sure that it's just pure styrofoam and not some, like... a Ben Franklin, we have a little Ben Franklin craft store. We used to have a big chain. Not something like shitty Michael's craft store uh, foam. You're not. Are you ta- you're talking styrofoam. You're talking just like foam. Like literally like a foam cooler foam. Styrofoam, white styrofoam. Well, that, that floats. So I don't know how the heck you're going to get that. Exactly. Like how the hell do they get this stuff in there? The ones that were made that I saw were made out of actual like a foam, like you would make a sponge filter out of. And they had taken right. it and, and uh, sculpted it to look like, you know, a background of mountains and stuff. It was pretty cool, but it just didn't hold up. So it's not rigid. No, and then things will pick at it and it just dissolves. It's bad for your tank. It's not rigid enough. And when you go to clean it, it falls apart. And then they use this uh, stuff generally called dry lock. 
Dry lock is what you use for your basement to seal like a brick basement up so you don't get moisture into it. And some of it is supposedly, and I'm going this supposedly aquarium safe, but uh, most of it's kind of crap. Even when you put uh, paint material in your tank, you'll still get chipping and crap happening in your tank. It's just not a fun thing to go around. So if if you're going to do a background and they want to do a 3D background, find a way that people have been doing this cool trend I'm seeing from like Germany is like growing mats. People have been uh, putting it, essentially it's just more places to grow plants. And I think that's such a fun and interesting idea rather than just having a plastic styrofoam shitty 3D background. Yeah. What question you got next? Well, also, I feel like that's a whole podcast waiting to happen. Yeah, not tonight. Um, next one. Hey, guys, I own a fish uh, shop down in southern Texas. and been listening to the podcast for a while. I remember you guys talking about a specific wholesaler that only goldfish here in the, uh, the goldfish that have here in the States. Can you please tell me who it was that you recommend for goldfish? Thanks. Keep up the podcasts. Uh, I'm familiar with a couple of, of uh, goldfish people that I've used in the past. Uh, Ozark Goldfish. That's my favorite. And um, there used to Hi, be... Hi, Becca. Yeah. And then there used to be another one called... Um, what the heck was it? Blue Ridge Mountain or Blue Ridge Goldfish. And I'm not sure if they're still around or not. But uh, if you give Becca a call over at the goldfish shop there at Ozark Goldfish, uh, they've got a nice variety of um, fantails. Comets, shabunkins, koi. Uh, the one thing they don't have is black moors. And as we've talked about before, black moors are genetically the, the, the weakest, and so they just don't work with them right now. They, they come and go. They'll get a batch in. They'll, they'll farm them up. But just keeping the strains consistent, and there's just so much work. And they're, they're uh, pond raisers, so you're getting it from their covered, sanitized ponds that no one's allowed any access to. Like, they don't even do tours at uh, Ozark anymore. They stopped that before COVID. And... Uh, yeah, and they've got two farms and stuff, and so um, they will ship you from the farm closest to where you're located. I see Rob pulled up Blue Ridge Goldfish. It looks like they're still open. They're still open. I, I know that for a while um, they were closed because they, um, if I remember right, they imported some fish for breeding, quarantined them, and somehow it got all their fish sick, and I think they closed down for a year or two, but, but they are wonderful folks too. Goldfish shops, more than anything else, have to be very rigid on their uh, um, policies on who interacts with it, what goes in the in the waters, because uh, carp herpes wipes out entire farms. Yes, mm. and that, that, that can just ruin your life for a few years. And there's kind of nothing to do to treat it. If it has it, it's gone. Yeah. So Ozark Goldfish or Blue Ridge Fish Hatchery, uh, I would suggest either one. I've dealt with them both. They are both wonderful people. Nick, you got some goldfish buddies out there? Uh, no, I don't have any goldfish buddies right now because goldfish, goldfish, goldfish eat. I mean, they eat our shrimp as a nice tasty, tasty snack, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a, a new age sardine thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if they put them in uh, shot glasses down here, uh, minnows, then uh, why not goldfish? I'm That's just right. saying. Eat well. So yeah. uh, other than that, guys, go on our uh, Facebook page. We have... A, the Aquarium Guys community, we're uh, trying to buff that up. It's actually pretty darn decent showing of people. And uh, the memes have been great. People have been uh, sharing a lot of their uh, first spawns. And it's just a, a fun place. You know, show us what you got. Well, if you got something more <laughs> noteworthy and newsworthy, we'll highlight it on here. Uh, and just because of that, the Tropical Fish Swap of Michigan, uh, March 7th, is going to be having a, a fish swap. 
finally, everybody's right. going to get together and, and talk fish. How fun is that going to They're going to share snot rags and lick doorknobs. No, I'm just kidding. no, they're not. I, I the hear Michigan it. governor will shut that down like she didn't want anybody garden outside because that'd get COVID. Nah, no, they're, they're going to be safe. They're going to only keep sure. six fish per bucket. <laughs> and uh, that's just like our governor said that we aren't allowed out of the house and he's not taking a care of it. He's not taking his uh, king dictatorship powers until the Vikings win a Super Bowl. Hey, that means we're stuck here forever. We're all going to be dead by then. We're Pretty much. Dead. <laughs> As so. the guy is sitting here with the Seahawks. Uh, exactly. Just, just knowing that what that victory tastes like. When we say, when we say <laughs> no go, comment, uh, rub it in. When we say go Vikings, we mean like go away. Oh, go is that, Vikings! Is that what it is? All right. No, I don't know why we didn't trade Stafford for Cousins. Hey, I would have loved that. That would have been a good day. I think we could trade Cousins for a bag of Skittles and been better off. <laughs> that would have been a good day. So, uh, I've been uh, having a fun week, Jimmy. Just to give a couple updates. Uh, number one, uh, there's a meme going around on our uh, aquarium swap sites that I look like this uh, particularly ginger-looking gentleman, and uh, I, hopefully the audio doesn't crackle too bad on this, but uh, let's see if I can play it. No, at first I didn't really like you, and now I still don't. So yeah, that... Uh, people think you look like him? I think People think I look like him. Actually, he's a lot better looking. If you looking. want to see it, you can go on our Facebook page. And, he's uh, a lot better looking than you. I'm just saying, thank you for the compliment. That was, that was lovely. So uh, how's your week been, Jimmy? My week's been okay. You know, I've uh, been working down in my fish room. We are uh, insulating the ceiling of our fish room, and you think it's going to be a three-day process, and now it's been about a three-month process, and I'm still not done. But uh, I bought a nail gun this weekend, and... You know what you could do if you have a nail gun? You could take your wife's pant leg and you could nail it to the board when she ain't looking. It's pretty funny. I feel like that's an entire uh, thing where yeah. you have that lump on your head for. That's right. That's right. At least you didn't shoot yourself in the foot. No, not yet. Literally and not and metaphorically. Yeah. No, we, uh, we're just going to, uh, we just bought the nail gun the other day and I was practicing uh, last night and stuff and she wasn't paying attention. So I showed her what it would do. It was kind of fun for me. Wonderful. <laughs> So uh, this week, I greatly overpaid for rice, rice fish from you, Jimmy, and I'm so excited. You're a dumbass. What did I tell you a hundred times? I, so <laughs> let me, let me back, backpedal on this story. So I, I bought some rice fish from our friends over at Seagrass Farms, and they're called white platinum rice fish. And I called up Rob and said, hey, do you want any of these? And he goes, nope, I'm broke. I said, okay. And then suddenly I fell into money. Yeah. And so then I get them, and he goes, well, I want them. I said, they're not for sale. I'll get you some in a couple of weeks. And he kept throwing money at me, and finally I took his damn money. I'm just saying, we, we, did a, we did a pet swap. He had these beautiful platinum rice fish, and I had a very lonely uh, Benjamin in my wallet that needed to find friends. That's right. So uh, we, we made it happen, and uh, now I'm the proud owner of uh, rice fish. So Yes, and then I got you some other rice fish on Saturday night. Got some daisy rice fish, peacock gudgeons. I got Adam some endlers. Which is, is yes. like, is, I feel like I almost am getting him hooked up to more crack. I feel like I need more crack, Jimmy. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there, I, we found a, a, a local gentleman in our neighborhood who's raising all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and uh, he's got the most beautiful uh, guppies, and he's raising peacock gungeons, uh, Mexican dwarf crayfish, all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and the growth he gets on these things is just incredible. He's feeding four times. Miracle grow. Yeah, feeding four times a day, and he's getting guppies into adulthood in six weeks. Miracle whip? Yes. 
Not Miracle Whip. You're just saying yes. I'm asking. No, he's not using Miracle Whip. (laughs) I'm on cold medicine, man. Well, let's uh, get down to this podcast. Nick, again, thank you for coming. Uh, We always start the podcast out asking, you know, some of the more introductory questions. And, you know, number one, what got you into this hobby and when did you start? Uh, Well, fish in general. I mean, I started keeping fish, like, I guess. That was in elementary school. I mean, my first my first go at fish was keeping betas. I grew up in Singapore, so I mean it's it's really a tropical fish haven there. So they have um, you know we have a, a lot to choose from. And I started breeding betas in my backyard. So that's kind of how I started with the fish. And I went went on to angelfish and goldfish for a little bit. But shrimp in general, um, I only started with shrimp. I would say about three, four years ago, four years, four or five years ago, actually, with shrimp, just because I, I had a, my, my uh, brother-in-law started keeping shrimp. And I didn't quite get it in, in the beginning. It was when I was, uh, when I was back in Singapore. Um, but I decided to give it a shot just because, you know, I wanted a small tank with some cool little, cool, cool little creatures in it and shrimp kind of fit the bill. And, and uh, yeah, I kind of just went from one tank, two tanks, and now I have a um, hundred plus tanks. So it kind of, kind of overtook my life, kind of. And so where do you have all these tanks located at? Do you have a warehouse? Are you, are you working out of your home? I'm working out of my home. So we have a, we, I thought of getting a, a warehouse, but um, just running the numbers and, and the, and the risks. I think I, I enjoy, I enjoy what I'm doing now. And uh, I think, I think if I, if I did do it on a larger scale, I, I might, I may not enjoy it anymore. So I decided to keep it small. I just run it from running from my home. So, how long ago did you again start doing shrimp specifically? About four years ago. Four years ago, and you're four, already five, uh, five. Th- this far up. Well, it kind of it kind of snowballed a little bit. A little um, bit. He's he's one of those things bit. where he's got that cheesy smile going. Yeah, my wife. My wife hates me right now. No, my wife. No, for 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 real. My wife. Um, I was like, hey babe, can I get one? Can I get this shrimp tank? I already had like two. I was back then when I was still living in, um, and I was still renting an apartment. So I had, uh, I had one, I had two tanks and I was like, Hey babe, can I get this little shrimp tank to play with? And we, we got it. And then, you know, I couldn't, it took me a while to figure it out. And then once I figured it out, I was like, Oh, can I get another one? Can I get another one? Can I get another one? And then we converted our garage into a little, little shrimp room. And then, um, yeah, so she wasn't, she, she wasn't, it, it took time to convince her that this, this it's a good idea. <laughs> so sure. is she on board now? She is, yeah. She's on board. She's Yeah, she's super supportive, yeah. I have found that it is always best to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Then permission. That's how <laughs> I end up with lots of my things. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good approach. I think my approach was like, hey, um, I, this this is paying the bills, and this is fun. So it's just, she, she, she kind of... Um, I, I kind of took that approach. <laughs> so you threw some money at her. Basically. Yeah, that's the best way. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you have like a, a fish room or do you have fish rooms where there's like 20 tanks in this um, room? Yeah, I, I, have, I, have a shrimp, <laughs> I have a shrimp room um, currently slash, well, I have a little section for my gym, but basically it's a shrimp room. Um, so I have what, 120 tanks, 100, 130, 130 tanks right now. <laughs> That's a good yeah. start. Yeah. What size tanks do you run? Uh, I like running 20 gallons, 20 gallons. 
for my new for my new caridinas and then my caridinas um i have them in 10 gallon and then for the more expensive stuff that i have my own kind of just my my place shrimp i have them in like two and a half five gallons for the more exotic ones I'm just amazed. I'm going through like some of your list, and again, we have to go through the steps of how you got this far. But sure, uh, I'm sure. just I'm just nerding out. You said uh, before that you have Silawasi shrimp. Am I saying that correctly? Because I never pronounce anything correctly. Jimmy dooms me. <laughs> I'm glad you're no, Yeah, no. It, it's a Silawasi. See, uh, guaranteed wrong, yeah. certifiably wrong. How do you ship the uh, Silawasi shrimp? So the way, uh, well, actually, the shipping process is the same as any shrimp. The only thing to con- that that we consider is for the Sulawesi is the is the temperature. They they can't deal with cold. Um, in the summer, we ship them um, to to like you know places like the the warmer places like Florida and and Texas. We ship them um, with two day FedEx and they do okay. Um, but in the winter, I tried shipping them before and they just and and you 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 need to overnight them. There's no question um so we, we pack them in breather bags um and for the for the winter we we add in the heat pack um but this season we i decided to stop shipping you know january february just because it's pretty cold in most of the country and this i don't wanna i don't wanna risk um losing them um but when it gets warmer we'll ship them and so what's the, the average cost of a, of a package of shrimp going out on you said fedex fedex yeah like overnight yeah. like the shipping cost Yes. Uh, the shipping cost we have a flat rate um, for overnight is forty five dollars. Well, that's overnight. not bad at all. No. Yeah. And then for priority, we have them at fifteen bucks. Fifteen bucks flat rate. And and, and how, then, how many shrimp can you pop in a box? In a box? Because I'm one of those guys that if I'm going to buy a box of shrimp, I want it plum freaking full because I'm paying for the you know the yeah. shipping. Yeah. So. Right. But, but you get you get so we get free shipping, um, free priority shipping at over a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. So, but if you choose the overnight option, you, you take fifteen bucks off. If you're buying a bunch, and the shipping cost data stays the same, and we still offer free shipping as well. Wonderful. Um, what I want to dive into now that we got uh, you know a little taste of your business, some of the stuff that you have, some of the promos, is how yeah. you got there, right? So you said yeah. a little over four years ago you started shrimp. Yeah. You know, walk us through. You got inter- introduced to shrimp. Your first shrimp tanks. Yeah. You had some success. Uh, yeah. You know, walk us gradually through how you got this far because established yeah. business, you know, a name in the market, and right. you, clearly you go through some volume. Yeah, yeah, we've been fortunate. Uh, we've been very blessed. Um, but I guess just just to kind of go go back and go back in time, my background, um, I've always been interested in selling stuff um, online. I've always been interested in e-commerce before it got before you know before Amazon came along. Um, so I guess when I was a kid, I, I started selling, you know, betas, actually, no, I was in college, I started selling betas, um, online on like Equabit and stuff. And that, you know, that paid for a little bit for, for college. So I was always very intrigued in selling the, the e-commerce based and, and how um, I can do something I enjoy and also provide value at the same time living. Well, right. That's always the, that's a perfect balance. Well then um, let's talk about yeah. that, how you started there with betas. Cause you said that you, yeah. you grew, uh, grew betas in your backyard. I want to hear about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I grew up, I bred my first batch of betas in my backyard. So this is elementary school. Um, and then back then, you know, Google wasn't, Google wasn't that great. So I had this lot of try and error. Um, so I, I bought my first pair from the uh, aquarium shop right by my school. 
Listen, I took a bus to school every day, and I, I literally visit the aquarium shop literally twice a day. Literally twice a day, every time I each time I go to school, and I, I bought my first pair of betas from them, and then I started figuring out how to breed them, and then I I bred my first batch, so I had little, you know, little cups that my my mom would um you know use you know deli cups you know those used cups I kind of wash them up and use them for for the fry and the grow up, and then I had a little you said tote in the backyard deli cups did I get that correct yeah. Yeah, so, like little deli cups to to um, separate out the fry when they get around two months old. So when and you I say deli a... cups, what are those like? Are those kind of like small Dixie cups? Are they? Oh no, they're like I would say in comparison, it'd be like quart. Okay, like quart. Yeah. So I had a bunch of those for the grow out. Um, well, not grow out. The when when I separate them out, because the males do do kind of go at each other after two months. Um, that's kind of when I figured that was a good time to take them out. So I had a Daphnia pond to grow Daphnia, and then I had a little grow pond in the backyard to for the grow out. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I started growing the betas out of my backyard. And then, at a you know, I had hundreds of them. I didn't know what to do with them, so I went to the went to my pet store, and you know, I said, "Hey, can how much do you want to you know? I have a whole a few of these betas. What do you want for them? For them?" And as a kid, you know, it was like I'll, I'll take a buck. Each. I'm like a buck each. Hell yeah! So like you know, I, I sold I sold my first batch to them. I forgot how much I made, but I, at at that time it was a lot of no. It was it was a big deal. So I just yeah. kept doing it. Yeah, I just kept doing it. And then um when we moved here to this, I stopped um betas for a while. So my family moved here to the states. But I kind of got bitten by the bug again. But this time it was different because I was in the states and you know trying to figure out how to import them in and how to. And understand the market here. Understand how to ship them in boxes. Um, that was that was definitely a, a, a learning experience. So this was in college when I was bored. Well, had, let's talk about that learning experience because yeah. I find like people say, "Oh, yeah. it's a learning experience," and then they skip it. That's like the meat of yeah. the subject right there. That's, uh, that's how I lost yeah. eighteen thousand dollars. You know, don't tell us the mistakes. Yeah. Tell us that their successes. A little bit, a sure. little bit on that one. Okay. Yeah, so when I was in college, I had um, I, I wanted to keep betas again, so I kind of had to um, start buying my first breeder pair, right? So how do I go about finding these fish? I went online and and tried to figure out, okay, how how do I get them in um, legally? So I found Equibit, I found a supplier, and I started buying them for fun. So I brought in a pair. It was really expensive. I forgot how much it was, but it was the shipping cost. Didn't was 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 pretty expensive, so I brought them in, and the AKL came okay. So it was a pretty good first experience. Then a pair became two pairs, and two pairs became three pairs, and and sooner or later it became like my childhood again. So I converted my whole my parents' two car garage into like a beta breeding, <laughs> beta breeding barracks, and then that, and then trying to ship them in boxes. Um, back then there wasn't you know YouTube, there wasn't it wasn't that you know that wasn't much info. So I went to my local beta beta club and learned from the, some of the folks there how to how to pack them because betas you can't put them in breather bags you need like a little airspace. So so yeah we 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 did that to try to figure out how to ship them. I mean I, I remember with this experience where I tried to bring in a, a import of you know, ten pairs of good quality betas, and they came in and they all you know they didn't come in, in good shape and and I, I, we kind of we lost I think I lost half of that half of that import. I guess from there it's not it's definitely not a perfect business. Well, that's um, just but, the shipping in. Shipping out yeah. is crazy. Like yeah, the... shipping out 
Yeah. And, and trying to yeah, explain sure. it to somebody, some people, because it, it's, it changes. You need to know the demographic of the, the um, spot you're going to send it to. It's going to yeah. be a completely yeah. like it right now. If That's you send right. it to us, it, like Jimmy said, it's going to be 20 below in a couple of days. So by the time right, it gets right. here, exactly. literally hell froze over. Yeah. Um, so that's so one. There, yeah. And then exactly. you need to know the types of shippers. Like FedEx is different than UPS. UPS is different than the Postal Service. And it, exactly. it becomes a hell in a handbasket. Even like to make you feel better, right? Uh, Jimmy and I have certainly been through our, our line of mistakes. We, we pick on each other for yeah. them continually. But I, I think one of the best ones I pick on is the fact uh, – a gentleman sent me, and we talked about it on a, quite a few podcast episodes back. I was, I was rather pissed off because he wouldn't message me back. Not that it happened. Mistakes happen, and people learn from them. But he decided that he was going to get out of his hobby. He wanted someone to keep his fish. No one would take them. And like, well, I'll take them. I have plenty of tanks. There's places for them to go. They'll live happy lives. Uh, I'll even help pay the shipping. I don't need the fish, but I'll certainly take them. Because I, I do rescue work for like Ohio Fish Rescue. Yeah. Anything that we can yeah. do. So he got sure. a big box. I said, you're going to need a cooler. Right, it's fall. They're going to get a little chilled, so you're going to need yeah. a cooler. Number one, you're going to need, and it's going to have to be at least a couple inches thick. I gave him the instructions. Well, he sent them in, and he was sending angelfish, shell dwellers, Moscow guppies, and it was all in one box, a very big box. Mm-hmm. He didn't do a cooler. He cut pieces of foam strategically to fit yeah. on the sides. It wasn't mm-hmm. sealed. It was loose. Um, when he put the fish in, he didn't pack them tight. You know right. the the bags sloshed around and knocking them out before they froze to death yeah. because the heat packs he put on the bottom of the box. So the moment that it yeah. dripped out, it killed the heat packs. So it's like everything yeah. you could do wrong, this guy did wrong. I'm just want to like uh, let him know the status of his fish and everything, but he just flat out wouldn't message me. So yeah. I don't know yeah. what it was. It wasn't a scam because again, I got him for free, but it's just a, it's a rough deal where it's the hardest bit of training and learning and there's yeah. no unique case where this is how we ship every single time. Right. It's it's an art. It's definitely an art to know how to how to ship ship live animals. And I think like well, if you fast forward to these day and age, like Amazon, I think Amazon has really I don't I, I don't want to word like like expectation for receiving stuff in the mail is really high. Like if I order something now, I want it tomorrow. You know, I, I want you to process it tomorrow. But we ship um, Monday through Wednesday with you know two to three day mail so that they won't hang overnight on the on Sundays. So that's that's what we consider too. And yeah, and, and all that is from learning message from the from the past where I used to ship every day and then I'm like, oh crap, I have I have a I have a beta sitting in the post office over Sunday. He packs he packs only last 72 hours. Um so by the time by the time it gets out on the post truck Monday, you know, and it's 40 degrees outside, it's not gonna be a happy fish going going to the customer. So so yeah, shipping shipping live animals in the mail is definitely an art. Do, do continue. Don't let me uh, stop the forte just at shipping, but I wanted to cover that a little bit more. So we went on shipping shipping betas for a while, and then it's definitely a try, try and error trying to figure out how to insulate the box and how to how to pack the, how to pack the beta. How much water do I add, do I add? Because um, that definitely affects the shipping cost. The whole experience was kind of you know I did my research as best as I could, but it's almost try and error out of college. But as soon as we figure it out, there's definitely a demand for betas, especially the ones I was bringing in. And breeding breeding them in the garage was I mean I was living in my parents' house, so this cost was, was basically no cost. It's all my time. Um so I would I was going to school in, in the morning and then helping out my parents had a store. So I was I was working at a, a Froyo shop. Um, my parents bought a Froyo shop. So I did that in the after Hell school yeah. and the evening. Yeah, so in the evening in the evening I would I would do the, the beta stuff. Um so that definitely took a lot of time. Like breeding fish in your garage for sale in that scale is definitely no joke. 
um, I got burnt out pretty quick. I think at one point I was shipping 100 betas a week, 100, 100 to 200 betas a week on my own. And, and, the, and going to school and all that was definitely tough. And then I also had a wholesale customer. So in, learning how to import, import fish was, was pretty interesting too, because I had a guy from Canada reached out to me. And he was like, hey, you know, what do you do with all your calls? And I, I, I call them because I don't have space for them. So I had a, I had a little Oscar that I feed my, my calls to. So he said, hey, because I just wait too, there's too many, right? So he said, I'll take your calls. So I had to figure out how to import, import the, um, my calls over. So every month he would buy about three, three to 500 calls from me. And, but, but, you know, packaging them and, and, and getting and feeding all the fry and, um, and, and, and knowing how and to separate them out was definitely a challenge because betas, no, it's not like any other fish where you can leave them in the whole time, let them grow out. You have to separate them out after two months into, into their little grub cups. And then after that, grade them and take photos of was that was, was fun at the beginning and, and I enjoyed it, but it definitely, I definitely burnt out. It was, the money was okay. Okay, but I think for the for the money and and what I had to do, it, it didn't quite make sense. So I think I I stopped doing it after a couple of years. But it was definitely a learning experience of how to you know how 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 to do things, how to maximize my time. Um, in a business, I think that's definitely what I what I learned. How do I, you know, since since in the business you're not getting paid hourly, so I want to I want to know I want to understand how do I time and get the biggest bang. Of, you know, biggest buck out of it, because um, that starting that that whole process, I was definitely not doing that, um, putting a lot of hours in, and and um, and not getting much to show for it. Um, oh. And also learning how to ship them, learning how to deal with customers, learning how to deal with, uh, you know, DOAs and death on arrival. That you know, it, you're shipping a live fish in a box. It's going to happen. So and how how to deal with that? How do you customer service? I think customer service is definitely a you definitely have to have thick skin. Um, because you know, in our business now, ninety-nine percent of customers are awesome. But once in a while, you get you get a cranky customer. But like all business, right? But how how do you deal with that and not make it personal? Because I think any any new entrepreneur is very easy to get personal. But it's not it's nothing personal. You're just you're providing a service. And you just you know learn how to make it right. You know, um, and learning how to have a thick skin to to actually handle that. Um, definitely a learning process too. So um, it's fair to say that you're out of betas now, aren't you? Yeah. For sure, I love betas, but it came to a point of the hobby where um, I I felt like I had nothing much to learn. Um, I wouldn't say I was no, I didn't. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I think it came to a point where I, I didn't feel fulfillment doing betas anymore. Um, so I was looking for something within the aquarium hobby to learn and you know grow and explore. You need um, a little so, challenge, little challenge, a little not challenge, just challenge yeah. of your time either. Um, exactly. Yeah. One of the things because. Let's be honest here. When people are like, oh, wouldn't it be great to sell fish? Um, yes, but, and people don't give it two, two seconds of thought. So just for a minute, since you're out of betas, I think it's safe to ask, you know, could you yeah. explain how margins worked at least back then? Because now it's much different, especially with COVID now that it hit. But you wouldn't, you breed most of them, all of them, or how, how did that work to start out with? So I started off breeding all of them. <clears throat> I, I bred I bred every single fish, but then um, I realized living I was in Houston at the at the time, and the garage wasn't heated. Uh, it was insulated, but it wasn't heated. And betas for them to do really well, they need to be seventy eight to eighty two Fahrenheit for them for the fry to grow out. Um, so the limitation I had with growing growing betas in my garage was you know the time like time of year. So summer, I had to really put my breeding pairs in and crank it up, right? Um, and then when when winter came along. I tried breeding them in the winter, and it, they just 
they wouldn't grow because the metabolism wasn't fast enough. So at two months, my 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 fish was like an inch and a half. Um, so that, I had a few fill spawns that way. So um, I wasn't really maximizing the, the spawn and, and time um, I had per spawn. Um, so so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't go into actually buying wholesale and selling it at that time. Um, but I did everything. I, I bred everything and sold them because. Before doing it, I thought it was a great idea, right? Great idea, right? So I'm like, oh, the only cost I have was was food, uh, which I was growing. I was growing daphnia in my backyard, um, and I had all the food um, um, available. So when when that was out of picture, I was like, okay, I basically have no cost. But then what I failed to realize is, is that I was putting in a lot of time, and that was that was the highest cost and my energy for sure. Gotcha. Um, well, yeah. there's a few things I want to pick out of you, and I think you'd be a person person to ask these things. Is number one yeah. the overall cost of selling uh, selling a fish to know what your margin is and what you're making. Yes. Uh, yes. Marketing, because again, you're an e-commerce guy, and people yeah. don't understand what it means to be competitive. Like, oh, I have a fish; they will come. That's not true by any measure. And yeah. to start with that price thing, you know, I always try to like compare things to the the price of a cow. Yeah. When you hear a farmer, right, they talk in agricultural terms of, you know, how much a feed you ought to do, vaccinations, stable care, and they, they really put a overall dollar estimate on each head of cattle, uh, literally yeah. measuring out how much feed, uh, feed they give, even to the excess labor that it costs them to do milking, calving season, whatever it may be. So going in cow terms, right, you bred your mm -hmm. own betas in this uh, scenario. So, so far, yeah. you can say, quote, unquote, zero cost beside your time. And we'll let right. the time be the X because you can easily spend a ton of time or a little time depending on how good you are. Yeah. So yeah. what would you estimate each one of your betas cost you and then your sales price back in the day? Right. Man, I think, I don't know, it's, it's going to be tough to count because, you know, I, I was living in my... You know, I had to pay my parents' rent, and and, and well, consider and that, that overhead. Here. You know, overhead of the business. Yeah. Overhead of the business for sure. But I think at the time, if if I would put a price, a dollar amount of my you know an hourly rate, um, or what I could have been doing at the time, I think my my profit margin was was so low. I don't I don't I don't think that's a number to put on it, but I guess it's opportunity cost, right? What I could have, what could I have been doing? Sure. Let's say as a college student, I could be you know working at I don't know getting an internship or something and making I don't know twenty bucks an hour, uh, fifty or oh, you know seventeen bucks an hour or somewhere. Um, I would estimate my my profit margin was like twenty percent, twenty thirty percent. Um, so maybe not maybe not even fifteen twenty percent at the time. So that's why looking back now, I didn't make any sense, you know, or me to continue doing it yeah so it's a fun learning process yeah but as a business model it didn't didn't make any sense and, and for those that are listening that are not business majors which is most of our audience mind you business is done on a 40 percent margin for no cost to handle the object so if you're selling a can of beans on a shelf you didn't do anything that bean you bought the bean you put it on the shelf and then you checked it out at the register or shipped it online, right? There's nothing necessarily overhead for that object, and that's a bare 40% if you can do a little better, great. And that's just bare business, right? So you're saying you got 20 to 15% on livestock, which should be at an 80% or, or better margin to, make, to actually just make money, not, to, do, not yeah. to be massively successful, not to make sure you're, you know, 
your uh, getting that new uh, Tesla investment. No, just to make sure that you're keeping the lights on, you're doing a business at least successfully. Right. Exactly. So it didn't quite make sense. Yeah, I mean, most of the pet stores that uh, that I sold to over the years and stuff, if I charged them a dollar, they they would triple it. If I charged them two dollars, yeah. they would triple it. And and still, everybody goes, "Oh, that's a lot of damn money." You know, they're they're making money hand over fist. No, they're not. If a fish dies, mm-hmm. they make no money. You know. Yes. You have your yeah. you have your costs that you can't control, such as electricity, rent. Um, the only thing that you can control is your labor, basically. And right. Uh, right. you know, Adam and I have had these conversations a hundred times about about different things about a pet store. Because Adam, um, how much were you paying for snow removal, Adam? Just for out in your lot, it was a tremendous amount of stupid money. Oh. It was- Snow removal and then water bills and yeah. everything else. Garbage it adds up. up. Yeah, garbage pickup. Yep. Yep. So, and then the then the monthly tenant association fee and yeah. So I mean, if you think that the pet store is ripping you off, they are just trying to eke out a living, and none of them are really making mm-hmm. none of them are making a lot of money. So don't think for mm-hmm. a second that anybody's getting rich off your off your uh, off your dollar that you're spending at, at the, your local pet store. There's very few mm-hmm. people who who make a lot of money. And those people that make a lot of money uh, will not tell you how they make a lot of money. So you know? mm-hmm. not to, again, we had to pause there to try to get some of the points as you were going across them. But to continue your story, you did betas, you got burnt out, yeah. although you yeah. had success. Uh, what was yeah. the, what was the, you know, was it just because you're burnt out and you're like, you find, need to find something that number one challenges you uh, or was it something different where it just, you know, the cost of doing shrimp was so much easier. I think Trent, it was, I wasn't ready I think mentally to kind of put the pieces together. You know, I think I think as a as a college kid trying to start a business, it it got too much in the sense that there's def- there's definitely a lot more work than I thought it was to make for it to make sense. And also shipping fish is not really forgiving. You know, there's definitely more more challenges shipping fish compared to shrimp. So when shrimp came along, I think it was a different space. Um, fast forward, you know, I went, that, that was like almost ten years later from college. So I went, I went to the military. Wait, wait, wait. You got, you got to help me yeah. out. You don't look very old. How old are you? I'm 30. Well, how old am I? I'm 33. Oh, my God. You can't be that old. <laughs> You're huh? older than me. Yeah, I'm, 30, I'm 33. I got Jeez. shoes older than both of you. I I need to be <laughs> Asian because literally, literally he looks like he's in his 20s. Like, I know. I, I would guess in his early 20s, yes. That's what it's all that uh, shrimp body lifting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well, that shrimp, whey protein. So after you left college... Uh, yeah. What, what what did you get a degree in college, or did you go uh, go to college so, like me so and just I, drink so beer? Right. So I went. I went. To, I was going. For, I was pursuing chemical engineering in Houston because everyone does. Every you know, ninety nine percent of people in Houston does oil and gas. And then I took a break from college. I went back to Singapore to serve the military. Um, and then I came back to. Uh, I went back to college um, in Beaumont, Texas, which is like an hour and a half east of Houston. Uh, and I completed my chemical engineering degree. Um, and then found a job up up here, actually in, in in Washington, in a refinery. So that's kind of how how we moved up here. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I know it wasn't our country, but always thank you for your service. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> so, um, what yeah. wh- did you find your your wife along the way? Oh, we actually childhood sweethearts. Childhood, uh, not childhood, but um, high school sweethearts. Okay. So Wonderful. we did we did a long distance thing for a long, long time. I don't know how it worked out, but it worked out. Um, so. So yeah, one of these times, Jimmy's uh, just waiting for someone to say, "I asked her to marry me with a tattooed fish." <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen, Jimmy. Yeah, you can calm down. So, how long have you been married now? 
seven years. Seven years? Gotcha. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, do you guys have any children? My head, but, but yeah, we're married. No, no children, just two of us. Just any any shrimp on the way? Any sh- yeah. <laughs> lots, lots, lots of shrimp along the way. Wonderful. <laughs> no, no human babies. And, and so you said earlier that your, your wife is very uh, helpful and supportive uh, of your business, and that's always a, a big thing. And people just oh, don't yeah. realize it. We have so many listeners that that talk about how their 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 significant others just don't get it. Oh yeah, it's like we're we're always like people are like, what would you put in here? I I can't fit this this and this. I'm like, well, get another tank. And you're like, I'm sorry, my wife won't let me. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. You yeah. found your problem. Yeah. There it is. You know, Rob's wife's very supportive. Um, she yeah. comes down and pulls all the babies out of their out of their central system. My wife last night went downstairs and pulled over two hundred guppies out of out of That's our awesome. out of our little pond and stuff. And uh, it's just it's so great to have people who are supportive in your family. And so uh, I always oh, yeah. like to bring it out when when you've got a good supportive wife. I'd like to give them a shout out and say thank you. Yes. For for doing that yes. and stuff. And, Successful business recipe right there, boys. Yep. And so for the rest of you who don't support your spouse, bite me. <laughs> no, it definitely helps. I don't think I would be able to do this without her for sure. Jeez, oh, I don't think she would imagine a million years she'd be helping me pack shrimp. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably oh, not on her, on her list of priorities when she when she started dating you. See, no, even no, your no, ex-wife sure. Jimmy supports the podcast. I mean, look at this table we stole from her. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, we we have a table in our our podcast that my ex-wife gave me. Just to get it out of her house, and we're we drilled holes yeah. in it in honor of her memory. Yeah, you know. And, and so anyway, I uh, I gave it to Rob's <laughs> just to get out of my house. No bad juju at your house. No, gotcha. Well, I was go, going to honor her. <laughs> yeah, we drilled some holes in her head. No. All right. Yeah, so, some holes in. so talk to us about the shrimp business. How? Uh, number one, you yeah. said over four years ago. Now that we're caught up, how you got this far? Uh, you said over four years ago. You. Uh, yeah. Dove into shrimp. You found it challenging. You were talking. We rudely interrupted you, talking about uh, the start of you know you and the shrimp hobby and how it came in the area. Do continue. Yeah, yeah. So moved, moved up. I moved, moved up to Washington, and then uh, I started watching videos on YouTube. And then you know, shrimp in the states was was starting to you know get traction. I mean, it wasn't a huge hobby, um, like you know other other fishes like plecos and biscuits, you know. And uh, other other types of fish that kind of was the was a big thing, but the the hobby was kind of evolving at that point. And I kind of saw that trend um, of folks, you know, wanting smaller tanks and wanting to get wanting to have a, a desktop fish tank versus like you know a fifty hundred gallon tank in their home. Um, so I decided to give it a give it a shot. So I went on eBay. Uh, no, actually, no, I take that back. I went I, I went to one of the one of the larger suppliers bought a, bought some shrimp from. Didn't set up my tank correctly, and I put them in. I didn't acclimate them in, and they, you know, and they, they all didn't make it. So I was like, "What the heck?" And I thought I did all my research. You know, I did, I did everything I could to make it right, and they all, they all died. So I, I, it was at that point. I can, I think, I think I got bitten by the bug because I couldn't. I found something that was challenging, and and what I couldn't figure out at the time. So, um, I bought another pack of shrimp. You know, and made some mistakes, and they all died, and that kind of. And that kind of fueled the fire, I guess. And then um, once I once we once I got it right, it was pretty fulfilling, right? Because I ha- I bought some shrimp, and then now now they're producing. Now they have a whole bunch of babies. I have a ten gallon, sorry, with ten shrimp, and now you know there's five hundred shrimp in a ten, little ten gallon tank. And then I thought, okay, now I have five hundred shrimp in my tank. Um, and I was I was at work. Um, 
and work was okay. I mean, work work was my work paid great, and 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 the folks there were folks there were cool. But I always have felt that there was something missing. Yeah, I just didn't feel complete at work. Um, I don't know if that, that made any sense. So I was I was I, I was looking for something, but I didn't know what it was. And my my wife was like, "Hey, why don't you try selling the shrimp on eBay and on, on online and see and see how that works? You you sell shrimp, you you sell stuff online. We can figure it out." I'm like, "Yeah, I think I can figure it out." So one day I was looking at the tank. I'm like, "Hey, let's just give it a shot. See." see how it goes right so now we have youtube so that's you know it helps so much because you can learn you can learn you can learn so much quicker than 10 years ago so learn how to pack shrimp in, in basically a day um and i found a few suppliers and got all the stuff i needed and ebay is pretty people selling shrimp on ebay perfect let's just list it on ebay and take some nice pictures now we have cell phones back in the day i had to use a you know i had to use my my camera and chase the fish around now now i have a so the cell phone pictures are really easy. Then put a macro macro lens on there. Nice. You have perfect. You have nice nice stock pictures. You go. So I put them off. Put on on eBay, and I think we sold out in like two weeks. I sold I I sold like five hundred cherries in like two weeks. Um, and I was like, okay, I think that's something something there. Um, so so then I started dabbling with other shrimp. Um. I brought in blue boats, I brought in crystals, um, and then started breeding them. And then I did the same thing. And the cool thing with shrimp versus fish is that you can put a lot of shrimp in on the business side and the hobby as well. You can put a lot of shrimp in the tank, right? So you don't need that much space to stock up a whole bunch of inventory. So that was really, really exciting too, uh, for me. So we had, I had, we, we managed to get the crystal tank going, blue boats going. Um, they didn't sell as fast as the crystal, uh, the the cherries, um, but because of the, the you know the stages of the hobby, right? Most people are getting to the easier, the easier shrimp. Uh, you um, cut out during that part. Yeah. Why didn't they sell as well? Uh, because just because they're more advanced shrimp. So most people getting the hobby, the the beginners, they're getting into you know cherry shrimp and the New Caridina shrimp. Um, there's definitely there's definitely more demand now. But back like four or five years ago, there's there's less. You're gonna well, I think overall now you're gonna find less demand than the than the Neo Caridina shrimp, but they were, they were still they were still selling. So so yeah, I kind of started there. I started selling on eBay, all places, and then we decided to decide to scale it up a little bit because I realized I couldn't I couldn't breed them quick. So we found a good a good importer from Taiwan, and we we started working with them, and we brought a little. Found I didn't want to I didn't want to risk a whole bunch of money on an import and kind of not work out so we found an importer that's willing because most i think most people don't know but most importers the minimum order quantity is like you know 10 boxes of you know of, of shrimp or fish or anything yeah some of them won't um, even and, tell you boxes they'll just tell you you know 15 grand that's your that's your minimum yeah, exactly. order and exactly, uh, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many people have uh you know contacted me saying hey you, you want to wholesale shrimp i'm like well you know i'll just give me your list They're like oh well we yeah. have a minimum i'm like well yeah. Over there, over there with you. Right, right. Um, yeah, so we we managed to find a, a good wholesaler that's managed to work with us. So we ordered, we brought in two boxes. Um, and learning how to import them in was was funny. I, I went, my wife and I drove down to the airport, and we thought we had our documents in, right? So we were there, um, at the at the at the customs office, and the customs officer was like. You need this, 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 and we're like, oh my god, we're freaking out. The, you know, the 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 cargo area of the airport closes at, at 5 p.m. We're there struggling, 
at 4 p.m. Like we're gonna we're gonna lose the stream. The stream is gonna stay there overnight. Um, but we're fortunate enough that there's this one officer that who, who gave us a free pass to collect them. But that that kind of that was a good <laughs> learning experience because we almost lost our first report. But then you know we we got we got a customs broker to help us for the next few months. Yeah, that, that's definitely a lot easier. That's some of the people through. that that don't like having yeah. fun with you. You can't tell them that uh, you're hiding yeah. cocaine in your anus. You know, you can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that didn't work out very well. Maybe that's our problem, Jimmy. Um, I, I once told the uh, Schmelta Airlines clerk that, uh, you know, she looked explosive today. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I, the airlines. I tried to be nice to her, but, you know, then she saw you and it was all over. The airlines hate me so much. I walk in. Why is that? I yell a lot because, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you have to realize that, that we live in Mayberry. We really do. I, yeah. I go to the airport. The air, our airport has three gates. They have 14 flights a day. They ain't that damn busy. And I, right. I, I get there and they go, I'm here to pick up my fish. They know who I am. I've been doing it for 30 years. Uh, we're going on break. Well, I'm right here. Yeah, we'll be back from break in a little bit. Yeah. Okay, well, let me reach over and strangle you while you're on break, you know, and urinate on the floor. I mean, just they drive me insane and and just, yeah, I just want to blow the damn place up. Let's put it that way. You've literally heard them say, oh. I just, you know, I'm going to make them wait on purpose. Yeah, they, they have said that to me just to be at jerks and they've called security on me because I've yelled at them and stuff. You brought me in as backup. Yeah, we, we, I, I'm very popular at the airport and uh, I think it's profiling personally. See, that's why we're no, not, we don't look like Adam. Yeah, Otherwise, I'm, then we'd definitely be hauled out on a hearse. That's right. So anyway, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just a fat little short white guy who comes in with an attitude. And all I, all I want is my damn fish. I, I'm here. I've gotten there. I'm not kidding you. I've gotten there. I, I won't uh -huh. even, It's an hour and, hour and 10 minutes to the airport from my house. I won't even leave until I know they're sitting there. Because I yeah. can't. Because they, they come in. When we bring them in, they come in from either Florida or California into Minneapolis and Minneapolis into our little uh, place in Fargo. And uh -huh. um, it's a 45 minute flight from Fargo or from Minneapolis to Fargo. And uh -huh. so I'll, I'll look on the, 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 the Schmelta airlines uh, website and it'll say in transit. And I thought, well, if I take off and to get there 20 minutes before I get there, I'll be in and out and stuff. The company rhymes with Schmelta, but yeah, way. It's, it's not the other one. It rhymes with Schmelta. Yeah. Schmelta, gotcha. Yeah. Got it. And and them rat bastards, I'll get there and they'll go, oh, yeah, it missed the flight. Well, it says it's here. Well, it's not. It'll be in on the 11 o'clock flight. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. Am I going to drive home? Am I going to go to the strip club and eat? Because they do have a right. They do have I a go to the strip club and eat. I have done that. I, I will admit I've done that. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? I, I should have just got a hotel room and, and just took a nap because it would have been cheaper than sitting at the strip club at the buffet you gotta, with, with dollar bills. you yeah. got to take me to the buffet. No. <laughs> you don't want to eat there. There's always hair in the food. Oh. <laughs> but, that's, that's nasty. But, I mean, people go, oh, I want to import fish. I want to own my own pet store. You know, if you've got nothing but time to throw out the window and, and stand at the airport, it, it drives me insane. And uh, But after... Uh, during COVID, about a year went by, and I was unable to use Schmelta Airlines, and I had to use UPS. Mm -hmm. Well, they are just Schmelta Airlines on steroids who like to charge you more. <laughs> you know, rather than charge me seventy five dollars, we're going to charge you one hundred and fifty for half the half the stuff. Jimmy, yeah. 
And, and yeah, it's guaranteed yeah. overnight. But if it doesn't get through overnight, well, we ain't refunding your damn money. What could Brown do for you? What could Brown, right. yeah. I tell you what, I burn your green. That's right. what. Yeah, exactly. And so you get uh, me in my yeah, high uh, horse because yeah, I've yeah. been importing for years. I had a $1,800 order come in of tropical fish and it got into Minneapolis at one o'clock in the afternoon. This is quite a few years ago. And mm-hmm. there were six or four more flights coming into Fargo. And I, I called him and said, you know, it's 20 below. When are you going to get them here? And you know what they did? The bastards put them outside, froze them solid, and then sent them. $1,800 frozen solid with heat packs, frozen solid. And, and I, I, it took, oh, it took me over six months to get my money out of Schmelta Airlines. And, and that was the beginning of our hate-hate relationship. So just to give people pictures, <laughs> there's six heat packs in an Alaska box. <laughs> to get that on 20 below, you have to put them out directly in open air where there's a 35-mile-an-hour wind blowing against the box. The heat packs were so hot at one time, it melted the styrofoam damn near. I mean, it just drives me insane. Oh, man. And so, I totally empathize with that. Yeah. I think it's universal for all airlines. You know, and I've I've imported, I've I've brought in from from locals and stuff. And I tell you, if I can get from somebody who actually cares, like yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and I call you and go, you know, my shrimp didn't arrive, and you'll go, well, let me check into it, and you get back to them. Um, I can't tell you yeah. how many people I'll call and say, well, my fish haven't shown up. Well, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. You know, you sent them, so yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah. All right, yeah, uh, sorry about that rant. Good. I'll get off my bandwagon. Jimmy gets like these uh, Vietnam flashbacks. God, I wasn't in Nam, but I felt like it. Schmelta, <laughs> Schmelta flashbacks. Schmelta flashbacks. Sorry, we're, your Zoloff is coming, and also uh, our new merch line will have uh, our merch update will have uh, FU Schmelta as a t shirt. <laughs> I, I, I hate oh. Schmelta Airlines. All right, so, so now that we got over that over elongated shipping conversation, do continue. Well, okay, where was I? Okay, so all your paperwork, all the paperwork, yeah. So we almost we almost lost lost our first import. Um, but yeah, which you, uh, we had we had definitely struggles with. We we swapped airlines just because, you know, I rebought an, an import. This is during COVID, by the way. And so there's no one there at the office besides me. What? And like, that's because they're on break, right? But no, I I got I gave my my paperwork to the clerk right, and she went out there and and, and called the um, uh, um the the folks who bring bring the bring the boxes over to the front for well, half an hour. I'm like I'm the only dude, I'm the only guy here. And I went out there and they were taking smoke breaks at the back. I'm like, there's no one working on the floor, and I just want to bring my boxes front so I can get the hell out of there, right? And I waited for I swear an hour and an hour and a half for them to bring the boxes over. I was the only one there. Yeah, that happens. So to I me. can tell. That happens to me all the time. And the thing is, is like, you're attractive. Jimmy's not. I'm Look at not. him. I... <laughs> <laughs> Two to the air, boys. I'll sit in. I'll sit in my car, and I'll call in, and they'll have a cordless phone on their hip, and they'll answer as I'm looking at them, and they'll say, "Yeah, we're really busy right now in loading a flight. It'd be about half an hour." I can see yeah. you. You're right there smoking a cigarette. You're not unloading a damn airplane, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just, and that's when, it, and that's why people get ran over. I mean, I truly yeah. get it. <laughs> You're sitting there going, "I could pin them all four against the wall with my little freaking minivan," you know. So yeah, yeah. I, I totally get it. So I mean, if if you want to have a great business plan where you lose your freaking mind, start importing fish. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So you found a reputable uh, vendor. You figured yeah. out that you have to bring a ton of paperwork and uh, that you shouldn't wear a shrimpy business T-shirt when you go to the airport. <laughs> yes. Right. I'm going to get a shirt from, yeah. like, Adam Sandler says, guns don't kill people, I kill people. Remember that guy from Adam Sandler's uh, Happy Gilmore? As long as it has an airplane in the background, I'm okay That's with right. this. So now you've established a good vendor. Uh, yeah. It's, it's clearly so, working out for you now, so, even still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a good relationship. <clears throat> we've, uh, we've definitely found, we're lucky to find one. Um, yeah, finding a good vendor that's, that's willing to work with you um, and grow and learn and, and willing to give, you a, give, give us a shot for someone who has no experience whatsoever um, was definitely, def- definitely a blessing for sure. Um, so yeah, we had the same vendor now. Um, so we, we brought our first first import, just literally two boxes of cherry shrimp, just to see just to see how it goes, right? Because in my mind, I didn't want to take the risk and blow you know tens and thousands of dollars on my first import and then have them all die on me, and then you know that's definitely not the way to go. So I we brought our first two boxes, um, and in my mind, going in was okay if we through this learning process. Um, if we break even, if we break even, it's a success. So that's that's kind of our my learning, kind of you know a course of importing shrimp and, and quarantining them and treating them. Um, uh, so I was willing to let that money, let, you know, break even on that import, even if it looks a little bit, it's still a success. As long as we learn from it. So brought them in and then quarantine them because you know imports um, have a really bad rap. So we we make. Sh- for shrimp, um, so we have we quarantine them for a long time to make sure they're stable. Um, so we quarantine them for a long, uh, and then after they're quarantined, mm-hmm. stable, we we then start shipping them out. So we we don't want to be one of those guys that bring them in and start flipping flipping shrimp. You know that's not how how I wanted to to you know build a business on. Right, you want a um, successful product. Exactly. So you want to I want to make sure that they're as healthy as possible. Um, and kind of put the customer's lens on 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 myself. I mean, you know, look through the customer's lens as far as the customer service and all that too, and how they receive the package. We learned how to. So I got an insulator panel supplier locally. We're lucky to have one there, have one here, and we still work with him to this day. And then, um, actually, before that, we actually cut panels ourselves. So my wife and I would buy these huge panels from Depot. You know, like the eight what eight foot by four foot. Forgot like four foot. Yeah. And we cut them on the in the living room. Um, we measured, so we have a template out. My wife would draw the lines. I would go and cut it. So that's kind of how we started cutting cutting styrofoam panels. Messy as heck. I'm so glad we don't do that anymore. Styrofoam was all, all over the place, up in my nose. It was <laughs> horrible. In your now wife. it's just cocaine. Yeah, in your wife's hair. Yeah, in my wife's hair. In the carpet. All over the place. And yeah, hanging on so, the wall. Exactly. Um, so we did that for a while, and then you know we we sold so that little import a little important uh, customers were, were happy and we started building a reputation on, on ebay and then yeah we brought in, we brought in another one did the same thing learn from it learn how to treat them differently um, as far as the quarantine process to make sure they're as healthy as possible going out and yeah so we we started from there so we started with a few tanks and then we started we, we grew to more tanks and scaled up from there so during this business i didn't want to take a from from a firm believer at this this day and age we to start an online business, you don't need a loan. You don't. Um, you don't. need some money. Yeah, you, you need some money. I'm, I'm not saying you don't need any money. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a good-paying job to, to fund that business. But you, 
I was from Believer. Um, so starting small and, and managing risk is definitely key. And, and taking, you know, taking small steps at a time. Don't, don't go big and go home. We took small little steps at a time, um, reinvesting the business and keep reinvesting and kept reinvest, reinvesting and learning. And, and that's, I think that, that was how, that was, that was, that patience was, was definitely key. But then it came to a point where eBay just wasn't cooperating anymore because, you know, I knew eBay wasn't sustainable just because we're, you know, they can change the algorithm anytime and then rank someone above you and you have nothing, you can't do anything about it. There's definitely tricks and here and there where, you know, you can go around um, and kind of give your, give your ranking a little boost to put you on the front page. Um, but then, you know, sales started dwindling and then I was, I was kind of panicking a little bit because I was like, oh my God, you know, this is, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not working out. You know, sales are not coming in. Then I realized our ranking dropped. You know, we're not on the front page anymore because eBay will usually give, give new sellers a shot. They, they put them on the front page. Um, and then when you're on for a while, they, they give new sellers, um, new sellers um, a chance, right? Um, and they kind of go on that, algor- that, that rotation with however their, their algorithm works. <clears throat> so I knew at that point I, ne- I needed to understand how to run an e-commerce business the right way. Um, yeah, there are folks on, on other apps, you know, selling, um, selling, on, selling and having selling groups because Facebook, you know, when Facebook cracked, Facebook used to be the place to, to buy, buy shrimp and buy fish, right? But after Facebook cracked down on all the life animal sales, they moved on to other apps to, to do that. And, and I definitely support, want, support those folks because those folks are, you know, hobbyists selling to other hobbyists, which is awesome. But I didn't think that was a sustainable business model. Yeah, learning from my past experience, I definitely want to maximize my. So, how do I how do I maximize my time and 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 put my business in front of people, provide them with better service, the, the service that they they're looking for, so they keep so that they keep keep coming back for that service, right? Repeat customers. At the end of the day, repeat customers. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. So, if you give them a good first experience, put them in. It's, it's a number. It's, it's a numbers game. Put your business in front of as many people as possible, and then the conversion rate is typically around lines around two and a half percent. Two percent, two to three percent, roughly. Um, so it's it's a number, it's a numbers game. So I learned how to run my ads, I learned how to build build ads, I learned how to um, the avenue to run my ads, um, and then the other I took courses for that. So I paid money for courses, and then I took courses on how to you know design a website, how to maximize your conversion on the website, how to you know how to build email email list. So I can yeah, it's definitely a lot of things I learned in a short period of time when I was uh, when I was working. Um, but those courses definitely help. And then after um, starting my ads and making tweaks on them, and then we didn't put a lot of money in those ads at first, but I knew once we could get them working, we could use that to scale. Um, and then from there, learning how to get free traffic. Free traffic is like organic traffic, how to rank on. Uh, so that was definitely, that was the next step for us, how to learn how to rank organically. So I think it was definitely a different lens to look look from. It was more, how, you know, how do I run an e-commerce business versus how do I list stuff on eBay and sell it? Well, just to give a picture, right? Um, yeah. I, I can't, there's certain questions you don't ask a person. Like, you don't ask a lady how old she is, right? That's impolite. So yeah. uh, to risk you not ask asking... His weight. Right. You, it's, you don't want to know. You can't count that high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so to not ask those questions, but instead, how many, sh- like, total shrimp do you think you sell in a month right now? <sighs> Come on, guess. Ballpark it. Impress us. Um, this is where you get to flex. Come on, just like put it up there. Ooh. I don't know. Okay, so so pa- so packages wise, right? So packages, I think we're pushing out around two to three hundred, two hundred, two hundred ish a week. And that's not including dry goods sales, all the other stuff. So definitely a sustainable yeah. business. Well, packages that's in boxes. 
So I guess if you think about packs of shrimp, our average average is around two bags of pack, uh, two bags of shrimp, which is around five to ten shrimp a packet in each box. So that's that's what we're doing now. So what, twenty five shrimp a, a box? Is that what I'm getting the math at? My brain hurts. Around 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 like around like I would say twenty shrimp a box. Roughly. So we'll say twenty shrimp a box, two hundred boxes, math four thousand. It's a lot. You're, you're you're literally pumping shrimp. So out of that that pie, how many of those do you farm yourself? Because I'm assuming the high end ones that you have to farm yourself, Silawasi, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, so the high end ones, we I breed myself. So the caridinas, I breed my caridinas. Besides the crystals, I breed myself. Just because of, I could, you know, have the have the tank space and you know breed them to supply the demand. So is it fair to say like um, forty to thirty percent you breed yourself? Yeah, around there. That's incredibly a large number and yeah. and you know you're talking that's the story about that first time you you imported you got a couple of boxes of red cherry shrimp and you're hoping to break even did you break even yeah yeah we broke even broke even yeah. no we, we broke do you use a, a transshipper or do you have an import license i have an import license an import license so i, I drive to the i drive to the airport myself um every every few months to bring it in and, and and for the listeners and stuff can you explain how you get your import license i mean it's it's not all that it's, easy um i think getting the license you kind of just go on like washington department of fishing oh, okay so so yeah is it they don't really spell it out for you i think now looking back there's definitely a lot of try and error to try to figure it out because you, you can't go online and, and type okay how do i import livestock right so we got a we got our first there's two agencies that that, that works with the works with the import. So that's first the um, customs. So we had to get a um, uh, import license from them, and then we get a we get a import license from the Washington Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife because they will clear um, the shipment. They will check the shipment as they come in to make sure you don't bring anything illegal or missing. Um, so the customs folks will, 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 is, is the folks that clear the clear the package, of course. Um, and like I said, yeah, the fish and wildlife are and looking from the lens of you know whether you're bringing anything. Um, but we, we went, we tried to doing the shipment ourselves the first time without going through. A, there's definitely a lot more paperwork to do than I thought, and that's the re- one of the reasons why we almost missed our first shipment. So we actually now pay a customs broker. They're not cheap. No. Um, most, most people think, oh, you just pay for it. I was so surprised at how much they were charging. I was like, you're charge what? What? Um, but I cannot, I kind of had no, almost no choice, really, the way it's all set up, you know, because they, they do everything for us. They clear everything. They do all the paperwork. I mean, they're really good folks to work with, um, but definitely more than what I thought. I mean, you could easily yeah. probably spend $200 on all the, the BS. Yeah. I mean, I personally use a trans shipper. And they do all the paperwork for me and stuff. But I do have yeah. a, fr- a friend down in Minneapolis who did the very thing you're doing with the import license himself and stuff, trying to save a few bucks and get your fish even cheaper. But mm-hmm. what what he found out is that, like, in Minneapolis, there's only one or two guys that do it. And if they got the day off or they've already gone home, then your stuff sits there. And mm-hmm. I, he mm-hmm. called me the first time he did it. He goes, yeah, I, I got here at 630. The guy went home at 6. And he said, I have to wait till tomorrow to get my stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, people don't realize that. So, um, you know, there's a couple yeah. different ways you can go about it. You can, you can get your own import license or else you can use a transshipper and stuff. Right. But with a transshipper, of course, you're going to pay a little bit extra money and yeah. uh, you won't have you won't have that one-on-one uh, conversation with your shipper. So, like, when I use a transshipper, I've got 10, 12 countries I can pick from, from China, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore. I, you know, I can't really ask my salesperson a question about this particular shrimp because then she has to send an email. Uh, it might take two days to come back. Um, they're in a different time zone, of course, than we are and stuff. And so, and that's a scenario of like a full-on distributor model that yeah, does that. Yeah, it's just very frustrating. And so it's, yeah, you got to picture, you know, for your peace of mind, you have to pick out, uh, you know, the lesser of two evils for yourself. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, and, and to then ship in, you need an international airport. So mm-hmm. if you are in a uh, rural area where you don't have an international airport, you've just now multiplied the amount of effort it's going to take to get that stuff in uh, incredibly. Yeah. So. So unless you're in a huge city with international airport and you have time to go hang out at the airport, uh, having your importer's license isn't that easy. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I think the big thing that I want to beat up with you before you leave is your e-commerce transition. So you started yeah. on eBay, right? What mm-hmm. Before we get the, your history of what you did, what platforms are you currently on now? Is it just your website, shrimpybusiness.com? Or do you still do eBay, maybe the, uh, what was the Aquabid, other things like that? Um, no, it's just mostly, I mean, I have eBay on just because there's a lot of work to set up all the listings, so it's, just, it's on there, but we mostly do um, um, my website. 90% of the business is from the website. So how do you drive customers to your website? Because everybody thinks, you know, if uh, if I get a good quality shrimp, if I make sure they're a good margin, I, uh, you know, list them online, I build my own website, that they'll come. That's that's very much not the case. It's not the yeah, definitely not the case. I think um, understanding how to so Google Ads is king and and and, uh, and Facebook ads. So that's definitely a restriction for live animals because Google has different types of ads, right? So you have you have Google Shopping ads when you type type of product, you can you know the shopping tab, click on it, you can go in and shop for different folks of you know different products from different sellers. You can't do that with live animals because <clears throat> they have a restriction on Google Shopping for live animals. So the only avenue you have left is your search, your page, your search. So, you know, you type in cherry shrimp and then, you know, your ad pops up at one of the first um, on the ad, the sponsored ad, the first thing you see, that's that's search ad. And that's kind of what I had to learn how to optimize that to get the right audience and not pay too much for it. Because it's really easy to overpay for ads. Um, people pay thousands of dollars for ads and not get anything out of it. So I think understanding that and scaling slowly, I think that was key. You know, I didn't throw a bunch of money into ads, spent a little bit. Okay, it works. Okay, let's make this little tweak, let's investment. Um, okay, we have we have more folks coming in. And then you analyze the demographic, you analyze who's coming to your website. And then, well, first you ask yourself, who do you, who, who is your target audience? And then- Wait, wait, is your target audience, you know, fat bearded uh, fish nerds? Is that, I don't, I don't know how to select that in the Google search. Basically, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 no, um, by age age group, by and also by genre. You can actually use John, John like you can you can. It's kind of crazy if you deep deep dig deep uh, how much you can actually filter your audience for Google to actually choose the audience for you. So you can age, gender, income. You know, you can you can select all that stuff. Also, you can select the genre that people search for um, to 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 attract to put your business in front of um, audiences that w- want your stuff and who are searching for your stuff. And then next thing is, is putting, you know, the right keywords. Um, and we're lucky because we're not a very competitive niche. So our cost per click, as in if you click on the on, on the ad, you get paid, you know, you, you get charged for each click. Um, we're not that expensive because our niche is not that competitive. Um, so we're lucky. But but yeah, and I'm trying to make sure that our ads are most optimized as possible. Um, and on Facebook, I kind of created a little video of all our shrimp. Uh, just to, because Facebook, Facebook folks want videos, you know, they get checked by the video. So if they see a bunch of shrimp, you know, nice shrimp in the tank and large for them, it's, it's kind of my approach in putting our business in front of people for that. So is, for our is that your yeah. secret sauce or what, you know, what besides, you know, trying to come to a podcast and get the word out uh, is the best advertisement yeah. solution? Yeah. Um, well, that is how we started. But then the next key is, okay, you got folks coming to your website. How do you, how do you, how do you, 
get their trust that you are a trusted seller. Because I'm not one of the big names, you know, we're not, you know, we can, there's so many big players out there and I don't want to be, that's not my goal. I enjoy what I'm doing at this scale. I don't want to scale it. That's the other part, I guess, is, is getting your, getting the reviews. So right now on our website, we have about a thousand reviews and our, our customers are super, um, they have post pictures and everything. And I think the, the, the cool thing about it is, is because of our brand, you know, how I want to create a happy goal, kind of happy-go-lucky brand. And I think that branding kind of attracts the folks that we're looking for, folks who are, you know, um, uh, you know, looking, looking, looking to, looking to learning. So customer reviews, branding, and then your cut, your website experience, make sure it is super, it's flawless. You know, there's no bugs, super easy to navigate, super easy to, to, to find. Because websites can get, if you have a lot of products, can be very messy. And when I created this website, I wanted it to be as simple, as simplistic as possible. So it's different, different aspects, I guess. So just going on a little background of uh, trying to do branding, marketing, and uh, yeah. other things, um, for those that are listening and thinking, or even having your own business, repetition is, uh, is key. If you're trying to get it out there, you need to not, as you said, blow up your budget, but you need to do it on yeah. a consistent basis. You can't just expect one and done is going to do the solution. Also, how you're doing it. You're not just selling shrimp, you're selling an experience. If mm-hmm. you're trying to sell a vacuum cleaner, what, what are you trying to show, Jimmy? You're trying to show the hassle of dealing with what you have and why mine's better. So with shrimp, you're really trying to show, wow, mine, you know, the, the beauty, the color, the simplicity. I make it easy. It comes to your door. You're selling yeah. the experience and joy of right. having, the, having the shrimp. <clears throat> or, exactly, yeah. Or you're having something that at least makes them laugh in the commercial, which is why we pick on Joe so often. In our uh, our different advertisements, we always you know pick on his yeah. you know six inch cholo wood and, and and make it to worthwhile because they're going to remember yeah. either you know quality content or the experience that you're trying to offer. So right. <clears throat> yeah, that you said Google Ads. What was your beginning spend that you saw success with? Because that's always like a mystical number, and yours is very much in the niche of our audience. When they're trying to think of, you know, what am I going to put out for a dollar amount? What's in a reasonable amount that I'm going to see enough success with that I'm not burning my wallet? Like how much ad spend? Yeah. So like, <clears throat> well, what was your starting ad spend, ad spend that you, you saw success with that you weren't blowing your budget with? I mean, we started off really, really low, really humble. Like I started off like hundred bucks a month just, just to try it out. Um, and then. Is that where you saw made... like good success is a hundred bucks? No. Well, I, found, <laughs> I found some, I found some success. Um, but then I started off a hundred bucks. Uh, we converted some sales, right? Uh, sure. And then with ads, you're always looking for return on ad spend, right? Your ROAS, what, what, what is your return on ad spend? For, for me, my return on ad spend, I want it to be at least, um, you know, seven, seven to eight right now. So meaning if you spend a dollar, I'm going to get 78 back. I mean, that's really good ad spend. That's definitely, you know, it kind of fluctuates. It's not, there's no benchmark of what good good return on ad spend is. Some, in some, some industries you have, you know, 100 times that return on ad spend. Some industries you have two of, but right now that's kind of what, if I can do better, great. Um, but we spent a hundred bucks. We got, we, we made some sales and then re- our return on ad spend was around, I think three to four. So each dollar I spent, I made about three to four dollars. Um, but then we saw real success. Well, not real success. Of some, you know, I guess success in my mind is like in a business that we can we can make a living out of. We saw we saw it around the five hundred dollars a month spend. So the the measurements are not just like you try to do it adequate in dollars. The the measurements that you have is called like KPI. Is literally you can go by like a promo code on how people uh, got it back. You can go by clicks. 
And then you can also yeah. go by like awareness and awareness yeah. shows by like certain views, demographics, yeah. social response. And it, yeah. uh, it's, it's very hard to measure, but as long as you're getting measurement, that's how you uh, equate your dollar amount uh, based upon, you know, different sales and fluctuations exactly. and trying to make it unique. Like we even picked on Joe uh, recently um, saying that he, you know, use promo code bathwater and we'll send shrimp bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> which by the way you assholes listening uh <laughs> i want to put it out there that uh you guys demanded that he had a line item on his website uh you can go there now and he's actually selling shrimp bath water and actually making a couple sales at it so i don't know what's wrong with you people but i call that a successful ad campaign that's funny when you when you create social media conversations there's a little bit a little bit of spend wheelay right right there well, we've we've talked so much crap about his six-inch Chola wood. Now. That's the number one Google search. You pull up uh, Chola wood. It's not even spelled correctly. Yeah. He's, he calls it Chola wood. It was Chola wood. Yeah, he has the exclusive to Chola wood. <laughs> And, and, you know, we, we had Joe here in the studio with us uh, last yeah. week. And I, uh, when I left, I sat out and visited with him a little bit out in the, out in the parking lot here. And uh, the one thing I was going to ask him and I completely forgot is, is I want 12-inch Chola. I want him to get 12-inch Chola wood, and I want him to sell it. That's it. Nick's going to have to shut up or shut up. He's going to have to get the full 12-inch Chola wood in. I, I need, I'll need to this. Hey. If you guys want to like get a giggle, go to the website shrimpybusiness.com and on the top of this thing he'll have like food and botanicals and all the other accessories, right? He's got teddy bear chola wood. What's that? Mm-hmm. It's like the big okay, if 6-inch chola wood was a flaccid penis reference, <laughs> this would be the thick chode. You know what I mean? This this it's a four it's a 4-incher though, so around. That's a chode. That's what yeah. we call. 4 around. inches around yeah. and long. Around. Yeah, definitely, yeah. That's a good start. So you, you gotta you gotta corner your market somehow, <laughs> and I think we just found Nick's. So Nick's I is, think Nick's is bigger around than it is long. <laughs> is that what you're it, saying? It's like the cheese wheel chola wood. It, it's, it's, it's all it's all about girth. <laughs> awesome. Well, you certainly uh, certainly helped me out in the e-commerce uh, commerce footing. At least get a, a grasp on uh, some stuff. Ours is a little bit more unique, Jimmy. Um, that we, our Chola Wood is much smaller? No, no. Our, uh, our our social media marketing, since we're... Girth, an, girth and size-wise, yeah. Since we're an advertised department, and, uh, you know, we uh, supposedly are supposed to sell ad space. Jimmy, you're supposed to get on that, by the way. Uh, ours has been very much, uh, you know, share this with your friends, marketing exclusive. But again, our measurements are our listens, not, uh, not sales. So... Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that you've expired us that, uh, you know, when we break even on this, we need to spend another $100. Another $100 on it? Yeah. Get started <laughs> on that Google ad space. Uh, I don't know. I think they might, we might not be selling live creatures, but I think Google will flag us for inappropriate behavior. So, And then and then uh, we'll have made our goal, basically, because it's good. You know, bad publicity is just as good as any good publicity. Right. right. So, yeah. And you, guys, you guys can get on setting, a, setting up the switching. Oh, six. Eight and twelve inch trio wood. Got to get in on that. Hell yeah! Expandable. Expandable. Yeah. <laughs> For your pleasure, Jimmy. Yeah. Yes. Well, Nick, uh, I think the last questions that we have are, you know, uh, for e-commerce, especially because that's so hard, uh, crucial for business. Is y- your vision on how COVID's treated you? Again, you started this business not too long ago. COVID certainly impacted everybody, but yet you're still successful. You know, how did you have to be uh, flexible, and what do you see as a change that we all need to do adapt to? So when COVID hit, I think we 
we, I mean, we got hit because we we brought in we bring in you know shrimp from from Asia, from Taiwan, right? And and when COVID hit, we definitely saw the limitation there because they weren't able to bring in you know shrimp on certain days. And we we bring in some other other goods from overseas too, and they weren't able to bring them in. So I think it's it's definitely um, I guess open our eyes to see to you know for that limitation. Um, but I think as as COVID passes, um, hopefully that uh, we're, we're getting more suppliers are getting more. Um, flexible in terms of like um, finding solutions for that. So there's a lot, there's a lot of, for dry good wise, um, out, well, outside the pet space, for example, like they, they have warehouses now where we, they're locally where folks can fulfill orders um, versus just drop shipping from shipping them from China. Um, but I think in the, in the pet space, um, I think COVID has caused a lot more folks to you know purchase online and that's also live animals. Um, so I think, I think an online business, um, if if we if someone were to start an online business now, it's definitely I would say slightly easier than we was before, because just because there's so many people shopping online now, and more people are getting okay with buying live animals in a box shipped to their door. You're you're saying um, that it's a uh, a lot better market. Um, yeah, uh, it it seems shocking, but when we talk to all of our friends, wholesalers, and everything else, they say that if they never uh, would have uh, held back during COVID. Uh, would have been absolutely astounding because they broke records this year. Uh, yes. Even even yeah. the uh, extradential, like our podcast, once COVID, uh, you know, the shock and scare and people went back to work, our COVID, our, uh, our podcast spiked and everything, everybody finally got back to yeah. work. Even Amazonas Magazine have, you know, broke records selling uh, copies. So it's just yeah. a lot more time it, it, at home. It's Yeah, it's crazy. And like, you know, we sell plants too, right? And and the plants plants is definitely not our you know main thing. There's definitely other suppliers that do only plants, but we have plants for nano tanks. And you know we get them locally from local farms. And our lo- the local farms can't put enough out to supply the demand. That's how that's how crazy I think COVID has impacted the market. Um, I think you know folks are folks are at home um, and and they they have more time to to play around their you know with their with their fish tanks or shrimp so it's been crazy um so i don't think covid has impacted adversely it probably maybe in the beginning you know where logistically you know we've tried we're from from um goods from china or overseas might be limited just because of the flights but now when the flights are back um i don't see covid impacting it negatively unless we go back to that space where with airlines starts limiting flights again you know, I had a conversation the other day that I want to sh- I want to share with you guys. Um, All Glass Aquarium, of course, which is a big part of our industry, yeah. is telling their customers that do not expect to get any tanks bigger than forty gallons mm-hmm. for another six months because mm-hmm. they shut they shut down their plant for for a number of months, and mm-hmm. now now they're just doing the bread and butter five, ten, twenties, you know, twenty mm-hmm. nines. And um, my my friends that own a pet store in West Fargo, they've got an unbelievable amount of people who want you know the large tanks, seventy five gallons, hundred gallon tanks, and they're on a waiting list. And they're saying it's going to mm-hmm. be six more months. Now we're doing this the first of February, and they're saying you know it, it's going to be uh, you know late summer before we can get large tanks. So if you're out there and and you're thinking about doing some additional tank buying and stuff, you may be forced to start buying some used tanks, which is going to drive the used tank market up a little bit. I got a feel mm-hmm. and stuff. So mm-hmm. if, if you see a great deal out there on a, on a large tank, go ahead and pick it up and put it in your garage even if you don't need it. I personally just took about five or six tanks that I'm not using that are all pretty good size, and I took them over to my uh, my friends that own the pet store. They sold them the next day. Sold all them of them. Day. Yeah. And, and, and I got, I mean... They just do it as a favor for me. I got rid of these tanks that were just collecting dust in my basement, and now they're in somebody's fish room being used, and, and I got pretty good change for it. I mean, considering that yeah. they're used tanks that weren't, you know, I mean, they're clean, but they're not 
they're not spotless right, right. And, and stuff. So if, if you're going to get into uh, breeding shrimp and stuff, you're going to be in good shape because you can use the smaller tanks. But if, yeah. you're, if you're going to start doing Malawi cichlids and different things like that, big, large goldfish, you're going to need some bigger tanks. Good luck to you. Right. Well, yeah. Nick, Nick sure. there's uh, other things that we didn't talk about. Uh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to briefly go over, which is, again, your your uh, food line, which I think is very yeah. interesting. Um, I would like to at least finish up with that, but anything else that you think we missed today? Um, no, I think, well, I, used, I guess to just to cover like the, I guess the customer service aspect of, of the business. So customer service wise, I do everything for service side. So Wait, wait, can so I pretend to be a Rajesh on the line? <laughs> Shippy business, yeah. how may I help you? Yeah. So we, we, we don't, I don't, I don't outsource it just because, you know, it's, it's a very niche hobby to outsource, you know, so it's, but at the same time, I definitely want to provide the right information for the successful. So customer service, I know other, other big companies have a big team, but customer service side, it's, it's, it's just me. Um, and we do, you don't need to buy anything from us. You can reach, reach out on tributebusiness.com and then I'll get to the, the question or concern, um, you know, as soon as I can, but it's all me whenever you reach out on the website. You know, that's what I love about small business is you, I don't have to go through multiple people to find out if you've got this in hand, if this looks good, if this looks bad. Um, when I, when I do business with certain people, they'll steer me away from things that, mm -hmm. that just came in saying, you know what, you know, we want to sit on them for a few weeks just to make sure they're okay. Just like he told yeah. uh, me no to Siloasi when I started messaging him and pretend to be, pretend to be a right. random person online. Like, no, you're in Minnesota. <laughs> it's a bad idea always. You should never do right. that. Don't, I don't want your money. So that's what I like about small business is that I'm going to call you. Uh, you're going to have, uh, I'll be able to get all my questions answered with one quick yeah. phone call or an email. And um, I won't have to wait around. So. I love small yeah. business. Please support all of our small businesses out there. Wait, is this where we put out uh, Nick's personal cell number right now? And a social security number. <laughs> and a visa number, too. Oh, I can't remember my phone number for some reason. Don't tell it out loud. That was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> so what's, what, what's, the, uh, what's the name of your business and your website? Give us that. Yeah, so it's Shrimpy, shrimpy Business. Shrimpybusiness.com. Uh, you cut out shrimpybusiness.com. Certainly check it out. Yep. Uh, free shipping over 100 bucks using promo code FREESHIP. And uh, if you guys want to nerd out, we didn't talk a ton about shrimp. We went a little bit about it. Again, this is more to cover the business aspect because there's a lot of uh, loopholes, and people ask us all the time on different business questions. And, Nick, you really did uh, nail some of them home, I, especially like you know e-commerce, really gave people a, a, a platform. and. Again, you're using Shopify. There's a lot of different platforms that are easy to use. Wix does uh, does a lot. Squarespace, and they're all, uh, uh, as far as the, I've seen with other people do using them, very much animal friendly. When you're uh, doing it correctly online, they yeah, accept yeah. different payments. So that's that's not a huge deal. It's more of how to get your name out there. And I think you really did hit yeah. the nail, nail on the head with a, with a group of the questions. So certainly, thanks for that. But go to Bentley Pascal uh, Pasco. Aha. Bentley Pasco's YouTube channel, and you can check out this uh, interview that they uh, you guys did. You did two videos. I think it was over two hours of content. <laughs> yeah, and you guys got real nerdy, man. We we got we got super nerdy. We got in deep. You got deep in there. So yeah, we've had yeah. Bentley on this program several times and stuff. And what a great guy! What a great guy, knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah. 
Hell also yeah. into Magic the Gathering, which is why I love them the most. You are, <laughs> you are so super nerdy. So, again, certainly check that out, guys. We'll have links in the description. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. You got anything else for us, buddy? No, I think that's it. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure meeting you guys. Well, thank you so much. Adam, you got any questions? No, I'm good. Thanks. You're good. Uh, thanks for think coming on. Hey, hey, Adam. Nice t-shirt. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> My kids are excited that we have merch. We're, they we're, didn't realize that I was that we have merch. Literally, before we started the the podcast, because we're on uh, twitch.tv forward slash aquarium guys, if you want to watch us live on Mondays at 7 o'clock central, uh, Adam's like, I need to go put on clothes. And <laughs> he comes out. We're a little confused. At like, there. oh, the merch line. That's right. Okay, thank God. We're, we're just expecting a lot of like pog faces and, and milk dud references in the chat. So thank you, Adam, for wearing clothes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Adam is wearing our Aquarium Guy certified shirt tonight. Right. Is that so, correct? If you like the content of the podcast, go to our website, buy a t shirt, look like Adam. You know, nobody looks good as Adam. Be fly like a half white guy. <laughs> <laughs> or as I like to call him, Malibu Ken. Right. Well, until next week, and uh, Nick, stop by again. Sure, man. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me again. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. F***ing <laughs> Don't even get me started on this.